I don't get it's any hate mail except from smoke. <laughs> I like yeah. when it's like three o'clock in the morning, his time, and he's eating <laughs> waffles, like <laughs> eating waffles in some dishevelled place outside the middle of nowhere, complaining about the fact that he's not got any clothes, he's lost his wallet, his van, and he's whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the point. Is that he decides he wants to wax lyrical and and try and educate me on politics. <laughs> I still got I still got sand in my jeep all in the house. It's <laughs> all from being drunk at a lake. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! What a night! Oh what a night! Did you guys uh? You guys gonna watch that? Uh, what passes for a fight later on? No, no, no. no, no. How I, much I, is that gonna cost? About eighty bucks? I don't, I don't know. I'm a... They're they're skinning you guys over there for it. It costs uh, eighteen pounds in the UK to watch that. Uh, I haven't bought a pay per view since like WrestleMania five or something like that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little out of out of the loop on the the price range for that stuff. This fight is like the biggest. Well, it's not a scam, but it's it's close. Like it's yeah, it's like yeah. A, two steps above that celebrity boxing show that Fox had, where they had like Horshack fight Screech. I think Joey Buttafuoco <laughs> and Tanya Harding had a boxing match. And, you know, Vanilla Ice versus Jose Canseco. It's yeah. just it's so it's so ludicrous as well because this I tell you this is this is the genius of Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor has managed to hype a fight that no one was interested in, no one wanted to see, no one was talking about it with him and make it potentially the biggest sport and spectacle this year. Oh yeah, yeah. you've got to take your hat off to him. The guy is a genius. <laughs> he's, a, he's amazing with a with a mic in his hand. Yeah. The thing is, I don't actually, this is the thing I was thinking about, like, his trash talk and stuff that he says. I don't think, like, I prefer, I think Chael Sonnen is so much more entertaining. I just think Conor McGregor was just a bit more brutal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ch- Chael Sonnen was doing all that but not swearing. And Conor's just like, the guy's a fucking idiot, you know, and you're like, yeah, all right, here we go. Uh, oh, have, you guys, have you guys seen the uh, documentary called Knuckle? No. I think it's, I think it's Ireland where they, it follows these families and they, uh, they're like gypsies, and they 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 make their VHS tapes and like of uh, cutting promos on each other, hmm. and uh, for these huge boxing matches where mm-hmm. they get crowned the king of the travelers. <laughs> it's so it's, uh, it's kind of like uh, the snatch. shit from Snatch. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like uh, kind of like that Snatch character, but this is real and it's it's hilarious. That's what Conor McGregor reminds me of every. Yeah, the thing, the thing is though, I'll, like I'll, get, I'll give him everything he deserves. I just, I'm not interested in the fight at all. I think um, if he wins, that's brilliant. I don't know what it proves at all. Like he bet a guy who's been retired for years. <laughs> I don't know what that proves. I, I genuinely don't know what it proves to anyone. If you got a car, just use it for your welcome anymore. Like an MMA fighter can box. That's that's great. Well, they should be able to box. It's mixed martial arts, so nobody brings a fella the size of you unless they're trying to say something they're talking right by. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know what it's it but, proves at the end. And if he beats Conor McGregor, I don't know what that proves. When it when it comes either. to boxing, Mayweather's like the best right now. Yeah, but and, that's uh, but. And Conor has never had a pro fight. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, right. I understand that. I understand that. But the guy hasn't fought in years and the last couple of fights he had were shams <laughs> so 
the snooze fest. Shams. You know what I mean? So I don't know what it proves. I, I genuinely... I, I, the only thing it proves is that you can market anything to millions of people. Why the fuck do I want a caravan? It's got no fucking wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a spectacle. This is... Connor is kind of America, like... America. <laughs> Connor and Floyd both are kind of like uh, P.T. Barnum here. They'd be daft not to do it. Like we were mentioning earlier on, the the estimated payout is what a hundred million. Um, I, one of them I at least is guaranteed a hundred million. I'm not yeah, sure like, who I'd it was. Ring with Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor. If I thought I was getting a hundred million at the end of it, <laughs> yeah, I mean you'd not do that. So. What money? Hey, fuck you. Fetch for it. You and me. Uh, I heard for Floyd, it could professional be, face. <laughs> it could be upwards of nearly two hundred after. <laughs> After everything's in, and then I think Connor is gonna get maybe a hundred. The belt they've made for this fight, the winner gets a like a diamond encrusted jewel belt. It looks like the million dollar man's <laughs> belt. Like, kind of as soon as you price. started describing it, that's, <laughs> that's what like... I pictured. <laughs> That's exactly what it fucking looks like. It's like it has officially switched over. Everything eventually switches over to pro wrestling. You've got to give it to Vince McMahon. He saw the curve on everything he was doing it decades before, and everyone's catching up. Even politics has went that way. Uh, everything has went the way of pro wrestling. First um, WWE Hall of Famer in the White House. Well, no, it's the weekend, so he's not at the White House. Uh, it's that Vince McMahon's kind of like the uh, ABC News. Oh, so yeah, and this game. How old he went in there, see what he did. There we go. I, lo- I love this documentary. I think this documentary is absolutely fucking amazing because it is like literally two guys that can relate to no common man arguing <laughs> about what's best for the common man. And they're not even arguing about what's best at the common. They're just tearing just... into each other. They hate each other. Oh, so much. So fucking much. This is this is Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, but of the debating circle. It's a, a combination that no one wanted to see. They were forced with it and everyone ended up tuning in to watch. But do you think these guys just genuinely despised each other? Oh, I guess oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they oh, really did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Gore, Gore Vidal, Gore Vidal um, apparently, like there's a separate... Um, documentary which might be on netflix in the states that you should check out uh that follows vidal's life i'm trying to remember an american or something. i can't remember what it was called and um you know it all but says that gore vidal traveled out to buckley's grave and pissed on it so <laughs> like, literally that, that's how much he hated them and it's the same with you know buckley buckley despised the man they they both really believed the stuff that they were saying like i think that's one of the main i don't think this is really skipping ahead or anything but i think one of the things now that's missing is you don't necessarily believe what the the commentators are saying because you see them switch you know contradict themselves so regularly you know, like Kellyanne Conway, there's, you know, yeah. like an hour of her talking about how Donald Trump is the biggest piece of shit. And then he gave her more money. And now she's oh, oh. but these guys <laughs> like That's uh, exactly the noise she made. Wait, how, <laughs> how's it going again? Or she's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, yeah, these guys really believed everything they were trying to sell. But, but I, I would, argue, I yeah. would say as well, the one thing that the documentary proves is both of them were right. <laughs> but even though they came down in completely different positions, 
both of them were 100% right. Vidal's vision of America in the future as a crumbling empire that would be entangled in wars all over the world for no benefit other than to you know try and cling on to the vestige of, of being a world power um, and trying mm-hmm. to influence the world is 100% spot on. And Buckley's vision of the future which would be this kind of kind of uh, leaning towards the right um sort of idea of kind of you know the the christian the kind of devout christian base really driving forward a lot of the policies and a lot of the way that your government works yeah. was spot on as well so i mean both of them were right but the <laughs> They obviously at the time it didn't it looked like it could go either way and both of them were actually actually proved right and they both set out the template for what is the most nauseating <laughs> and like I've seen when we were in the states every time I'm over there and I'll see it again in December when I'm over every time I'm over in the states I the first thing I do is check out you know the TV and the news channels and uh, why do you, why do you do that to yourself because it, <laughs> it blows my mind that that's what passes for news in your country. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the high horse thing here at all. When I'm like, well, in my no, we have like well, Sky News. Scotland's is, so much better. Well, like, like, Sky News over here is basically owned by Rupert Murdoch. Practically family, owned right? by yeah, practically owned by, and you hear that it's, it's just a it's a watered down version of Fox. But if you look at the BBC News or the ITV News or Channel Four News, um, they're all for the most part, you know. Without bias, they mostly sit in the middle. It's like the BBC, although I would claim the BBC has a tendency to lean slightly towards the right, um, you know, for, have, for the most uh, part, occupy the centre ground, which is what news is supposed the, to do. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of the talking heads segments. They don't there. as much, no, over here. They really, really don't. Channel 4 tends to, but they wouldn't have, like, um, too many people on speaking, and they certainly wouldn't have people that shout over the top of each other. It would just be stopped. <laughs> Yeah, I, but I, I don't know how I feel about the uh, about that kind of setup. Yeah, you want to hear multiple people giving their views, but uh, the way it, the way it's done though is kind of annoying. It's the way it's set up, and I, what I love about it is like the the clip they show you in this of the after effect. The first thing you get is, is a woman talking about abortion and like pro life things, and she's like, "I've flown across this great country many times from sea to shining sea," and it's just like, "What the who the talks like that <laughs> who the fuck talks like that not from see C- C- they're saying that purely that the, the rhetoric is purely to drive towards a base mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like the way it's the way it's described the way it's put forward and it's not actual the thing about it is when you see vidal out with his interaction with buckley or buckley out with his uh, interaction with that with a uh, vidal the two of them were great debaters oh you know yeah i mean very, very, very savvy debaters, and would actually sit there and uh, like properly argue and articulate and take someone's point of view on an encounter and all the rest. But when you put the two of them in the room, it essentially came down to, well, your nose is big, well, you smell funny. Um, <laughs> like, kind of, you know, it's, it was more about trying to, I mean, Buckley wanted to, Buckley wanted to kind of squash him, and all Vidal wanted to do was, you know, expose what he thought was this kind of, this kind of racist in sheep's clothing. Um, on air, and it's like one of the greatest things. The, the, the way they cut it in the, the, the doc, I know we're jumping ahead, but the way they cut it in the doc right after, he's like, I'll suck you in the face and you stay down. And then they switched to all the talking heads, all the people that were speaking in between, and all of them are just sitting, kind of like reaching for a cup of tea or pausing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I, just like, I, I thought that was a, like a documentary trick 
thrown in. Oh, <laughs> thrown it's, of course, it's, but it's perfect. It's perfect. It's actually perfect because, like, that's what people were like at the time. It's like when the guy says, uh, you know, like, uh, they go through them all, and the first guy that speaks is the guy from ABC, and he goes like that, well, the network's shat. <laughs> you know, it's like, his first response is like, can, can he say that on air? And he's like, well, like, he has, it's live. Well, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, he did, you know it's what I mean? Done. It's, it's, it's too late now um, and that's you know it's, it's the precursor to so many things and it's scary to think it happened in 68 yeah um, you know what I mean like that long ago and before that basically what they're saying is before 68 your your Walter Cronkites and stuff like that were it's all and welcome to the news and let's deliver the news from the, the centre at all times uh, and then after that it became networks that were just trying to outdo each other <laughs> and it's never really changed yeah, I think part, part one of the things that uh, that was in the documentary that probably helped change a little bit of the way that it was covered in the press and everything was that what uh, a couple of the more famous news people were roughed up by the police at the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Walter Cronkite watched some of it, and he's. <laughs> I, was, I think it's the first time I'm aware of a journalist calling a violent police officer a thug. Yeah, um, Ted Koppel or somebody got punched in the stomach. Yeah, think and... about what it was like being in that decade. I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind. Like in that decade, you have, I mean, you've got like JFK's been assassinated, Martin Luther King's been assassinated, Bobby Kennedy had just been assassinated. Yeah, like two, um, two, two months. This today is actually forty nine years ago. August twenty sixth, nineteen sixty eight was when the Democratic convention started. There you go, and all, all that. That's, that's your. That's your backdrop, and then yeah. you have Nixon getting re-elected, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> and essentially, you know, well, we know how that ends, and it's really, really funny, because when you think, like, me and Bo discussed this movie, I want to say two years ago we did this, it had just been released on Netflix, and we discussed it then, and it was obviously before Trump. Mm. Um, got in but Trump was campaigning and Ugh. what I had said maybe not on the show but speaking to him was that it's eerie how history repeats itself um, and that you had this I know I, I already can hear Smoke's mind about to kick it together when I say this right but you had like an extremely flimsy Democratic party one that was rife with trouble is what how they describe it in this documentary mm-hmm. Um where you had the ideas of a very prominent figure um, kind of bashing up against the, the, the you know, the, the next best thing, so to speak. So you have, like, the Bernie Sanders guy talking about everything he wants, and then you have the Clinton who gets put forward, who's never going to win, everyone thinks he's going to win, but he's never going to win against someone who's basically... You know, Donald Trump is regularly compared to Nixon, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> And who got in? And what was the backdrop? And you have all these race riots and protests and police, quote-unquote, brutality. And, you know... As we look at America, we see cities enveloped in smoke and flame. We hear sirens in the night. We see Americans dying on distant battlefields abroad. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? Law and order. All the all the marches and all the rest. That it's it's basically yeah. Law and order was the, it was that was the theme. And you think about it, right? That's what you said. What forty nine years ago? So yeah. forty nine years, and that's how much progression has happened. Zero. It's, 
Zero. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's depressing. <laughs> it's zero. Zero. It's like it's like it is though. But I think I think sometimes I, I, like a spotlight needs to be shone on these things because according to people just now, this is the worst it's ever been. This is not the worst it's ever been. There have been plenty of other times just as bad, if not worse. This might be for for a new generation of people. Yes, this is the worst it's ever been, but it has been just as bad. And you, you know what the, the the thing is? People survive. You get through it. You get through it, you you exist a potential four years of Trump, maybe eight years of Trump. You bite your tongue. And you come out the other end and you move on and the next candidate comes in and they give you promises and they'll likely, you know, renege on the majority. And it continues on and on and on. Um, that doesn't mean you should stop fighting for what you believe in. I still fundamentally believe that that's everyone should do that. If you, if you have a point of view on something, it, you should make it heard. Even if it is ridiculous, even if it should be like all ducks need to wear paper hats on a Tuesday, um, you know, Wasn't I mean, that Vermin Supreme's uh, platform or part of yeah. Vermin Supreme's platform. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that's what you want to do. Do it, but um, don't don't you know? People just like people always just want to say this is the worst time ever, um, and it's not. It's really not like we're going like that decade not only put a man on the moon but had and once again you think about the backdrop Vietnam failed war Afghanistan <laughs> you know like more troops going to Afghanistan you know like all, all these all these things are the same you just history repeats itself in cycles uh, and all it's you like can a... hope for is that eventually it breaks and goes somewhere else. I think it's depressing because uh, I think things are magnified then and and they're magnified now. Yep. But even in the in between, uh, shit doesn't really change. Hasn't really changed that much no. even in the, in, in the, at those times. Yeah, it, it's about it's about perspective, right? So when the economy is doing really good, right? It's all about the middle class, actually. That's like fundamentally periods of prolonged. Um, Stability, if you want to call that, where that's uh, socially, politically, um, or, you, you know, for the most part, happen when the middle class is is happy, really, for the most part, when there's, you know, so when the economy's doing well, when there's good jobs, when people have enough income to not only look after their house and, you know, their family, but can afford to go, you know, vacations, as you call them, uh, holidays, as I would call them. Uh, holiday. A holiday. I think we have to call them vacations because holidays sound like they're guaranteed. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, But you know, like, have all the, like, when all that happens, even though, like, the poor are still, you know, like, like, really, you know, kind of, they're not the ones that have access to all the tools that become vocalized when the middle class is disenfranchised right so mm. like um maybe less with the internet now but um the internet anyone can bitch about anything yeah on, on the internet like it's given it's given a voice but out with that you know where it would become you know uh committees city councils or you know all these things which are inherently middle class then become very active um protests for the most part come from the middle class 
Um, they don't tend to come from, well, they never come from the upper class. Um, <laughs> and they usually rely heavily on the, you know, the kind of poorer class. Um, and I, I know that, like, like I, I'm putting things very class-based because that's just how the UK operates. But that, that that's the, the right thing. So what you have just now is you have a very disenfranchised middle class in America just now. Um, for all, you know, they're saying the economy's great and the jobs are great and all the rest. There's still a huge amount of people unemployed. Um and it's the same over here. There's still a massive amount of people unemployed and a middle class who doesn't know. That's why the election went the way it did in the UK. Well, the last two or three elections have went that way, um, where people who have been lifelong Labour supporters were then voting for UKIP and then voting Conservative, which is, you know, like on the, the political spectrum is the other way. It's because they voted the way they voted generationally and everything was fine until that one election they voted that party in and then everything went tits up and then they're like well it was them that did it so they, these guys will be better um i will vote for the yeah i vote for the enemy um i'm tired of these guys running my life yeah i want these guys to do it yeah th- th- these guys will do it so much better <laughs> forgetting that you know th- these these fuckers you know destroyed industry in the 80s like the conservative party in the uk destroyed industry in the 80s you know all the like uh coal miners, car manufacturing, um, the unions, <laughs> like, well, wiped out under Thatcher, uh, shipbuilding, all the things that our country was really known for the world over, uh, kind of destroyed under that, um, and pushed away banking. It's a safe job that the economy will only continue to grow. Buy houses, many of them. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the, the, you know, that's the, this is the way it is, and it's totally unrelated to, to, to the movie but I think it's a, an interesting thing that like I say when you link these things back in and how America sits now to, compared to how America was then um, there are so many parallels it's unbelievable and these two guys were on the cutting edge of it and the irony of the situation is neither one of them got elected they both stood for office and neither one of them got in so yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> these two guys from the, the sidelines uh, um, you know, it was, complaining kind of, about politics when they couldn't get in either one of them. It's kind of, I guess, uh, I didn't say like the guys they were running against were kind of uh, more centrist, yep, seeming. And but uh, these two guys, I'll give them credit. Like they were, they were, they're interesting guys and they're they're charming mm-hmm. on some level. They're, Vidal they're has both, like some of the quotes that I was taking some quotes today that I was like that these could have come out the the mouth of smoke. <laughs> uh, right. Ready for this? Like, here's some yeah. here's some Vidal quotes for you. Uh, any American who's prepared to run for president should automatically, by definition, be disqualified for ever doing so. Um, <laughs> this is about Bill Clinton. When Bill Clinton claimed I didn't have sexual relationships with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, he was totally accurate. He was talking Southern. In the South, sex is when you put it, put it in, pump away until there's a danger of a baby. That's sexual relations. It's <laughs> is what we call in school messing around. All the Southern boys mess around. That's about a president in 2009 he said that. The United <laughs> States was founded by the brightest people in the country and we haven't seen them since. Um, every four years... Half uh, the naive half who vote are encouraged to believe that the that we can elect a really nice man or woman president and everything will be all right, but it won't be. Um, fifty percent of people won't vote, and fifty percent don't read the newspapers. I hope it's the same fifty percent. Um, like literally, it's all just scathing attacks on on the American setup. They mm-hmm. hate it. 
Uh, but he didn't hate it though. That's the thing. He hated it after he didn't get elected. Up until that point, he was you know riding tall with the the Kennedys and from a political family. Uh, but I love when they try and make them sound common. Like it's like the best <laughs> bit. Like that you know people heard them and thought you know they, these they speak in a dialect and a tone which is you know off putting and you know like a they, they both went to public school and then you hear the people talking about them and they're like that. Oh yeah, but we, you know dad of the family was a pioneer. We're all from that stuff. Millionaires living in mansions. Gore Vidal, you know, he never went to college. He was very proud of that. He didn't have to. He was a fucking millionaire. <laughs> yeah, fucking dude. house at the edge of a cliff. Like something from a fucking Game of Thrones movie. He's like a Bond villain. <laughs> like literally. He, is the, he had the house of the man with the golden gun. <laughs> Scaramanga walking about the place. And honestly. No, Mr. Buckley. I expect you to die. <laughs> like, but these were the, you know. They were not the establishment. Fuck off. Were you, were you guys familiar with these? Like, like I, I heard of. Like, I knew Buckley, conservative. Uh, what was the? Uh, the National Review's his, his yes. paper, which is still huge now. I mean, it's still, in fact, it was just mentioned on the the fifth column again. <laughs> were, were they talking about them removing the award from Sean Hannity? Yeah. Okay, I haven't got to that episode yet, but. I've been reading up on the kerfuffle around Sean Hannity being awarded the William F. Buckley Award for conservative journalism or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. That's that's interesting because yeah, I, I think he would he wouldn't be very happy about. <laughs> I don't think Buckley would be too impressed with Fox at all as a news organization. But yeah, like so, like I I was aware of the National Review. I wasn't aware of Buckley Junior. Very much aware of Vidal. I've read some of his books before. Um, okay, but mo- mo- didn't realise he was as politically minded as he was if you know what I mean a lot of his stuff was very yeah. it was all based in satire it was all yeah. kind of poking fun at things and highly sexualised so <laughs> yeah I, I just known really that he was uh, like a playwright and writer mm-hmm. then uh, I'd heard Caligula. of him I, <laughs> yeah I, I was what is did he write that or what's it showed the clip from Caligula. He was a screenwriter for Caligula, I believe. And Ben-Hur uh, as well. He was uncredited yeah. on Ben-Hur. And they, yeah. and they showed, uh, I, I mean, I'd heard of Myra Breckenridge. I've never I didn't seen know it. much else about it. I, I wanted to see it, after but, watching the documentary. Yes, because when they showed Raquel Welch right there, I was like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to pause this and like, I reevaluate. <laughs> I love when they're like this. They're like a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know she's heavily sexually charged in this woman like that. Even so, going far as to rape a man, and then you see a, a clip of her with a guy strapped down, and she's going yeehaw in the background as thunder and lightning strikes down. I'm like, I kind of need to see this movie. Yeah, like, maybe that'll be the next wild. one. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize I wasn't aware of their their like historic feud or I, I wasn't aware before seeing the documentary of these debates which apparently are infamous uh, and you can see why <laughs> yeah I, I love it this as well as they get they get Kelsey Grammer to do Buckley's voice and they get John Lithgow to do Vidal's voice from their diaries yeah which I, I kind of uh, love <laughs> yeah I suppose because um, like Kelsey Grammer is conservative and I'm, I'm assuming Lithgow would has got liberal leanings. You you would have to think so. You would have yeah. to think so. But um, the fact that both of them are very well spoken actors, you know, speak like this. Yeah, 
Right. Um, I imagine that's probably where it came down, but it's great here. It's great hearing their diaries as well because uh, it just kind of sums up. Like I, I, I can't. I've never wrote a diary. I've no interest in writing my memoirs or a journal. But you know, even their journals are written with this pretense. You know, he sat across from me, whimsically looking at his clipboard while tapping his pen <laughs> against the edge of his seat. And I wondered to myself, this is an insecure man with insecure feelings. Like my journal would literally be: got up this morning, had a wank. Um, Went to work, uneventful day, shitty. Got paid though, yay! <laughs> that would be it. Um, so it's quite interesting uh, to, to see how they did that. But I think it's just like a really interesting format for a documentary because I always believe that documentaries should, for the most part, be leaning in one direction or the other. Right? If you're going to make a documentary, you have to set out your point of view on something and then use evidence from both sides to put forward your case, but ultimately end up with the answer that you expect from the tone of your documentary, right? Mm. Um, and the case of this one, what's the, the genius bit of it is they have these two opposing minds from difficult political sides that you would think the purpose of the documentary would be to pick one or the other as being right. And that's not, that's the backdrop of where news media is in America now, and this is where it started. So it's, it's, it's really, what they're using it is it's almost like the, the kind of tinderbox with a spark that leads to the explosion in news media you have now in the way it is, but they're using this without taking a leaning either side. Basically what they were saying is the way the news is reported now isn't great, um, <laughs> and it's no longer partisan, um, it's, it's now biased, and the reason behind that is because of this, which I think is cool. The uh, I listened to a couple of interviews with the the director. He was actually a fact checker for Vidal at one point. Ah, and I mean, and it, I, there's no bias that I can tell in the movie. Like, uh, like in in, in the uh, interviews, he actually had uh, some not so great things to say about Vidal. Not like, uh, <laughs> not like uh, you know, he doesn't like him or anything. But just it's just his personality. He was a dick. Oh, but you can tell that you can tell you can yeah. tell that looking at him that he'd be it'd be a difficult person to be around. I think, um, and that that was one of the things that I noticed in the extra interviews. I think this was just in the extra interviews, and not in the documentary proper. But uh, Dick Cavett talking about how fun Buckley was when you weren't trying to talk politics with him. Yeah. Uh, did you see the part where he told the story about being in Puerto Rico? trying to show his friend the wizard of oz no (laughs) and uh he they were just on a you know speaking of their being the common man dick cavett william f buckley and a couple people were all in their boats in the caribbean and (laughs) (laughs) one of them said i've never seen the wizard of oz and buckley was like oh well it's great it's playing tonight and then they went and uh they were a little late from from dinner so the movie was 20 minutes in and Buckley picks up the phone, calls. He's like, you know, hello, this is this is William F. Buckley. I'm trying to show my friend the Wizard of Oz. Could you restart the movie? And then the screen gets all wiggly and the movie goes back to the beginning and it starts over again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, while they were looking at that, he was pressing the button on the VCR. So he was just fucking with his friend. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and he said he did stuff like that all the time and i i, I found that weird because i was pretty aware of both of them to answer smoke's question from a bit ago 
Um, Smoke asked a question. <laughs> there was uh, there were some Gore Vidal articles in my dad's old Playboys that I found when I was about fourteen or fifteen from the seventies and eighties. You're not telling me you read them. Wait, what yeah, you were like on. fifteen. You're like fifteen, and there's Playboys in front of you, and you're yeah, like, you I'm gonna read some Gore Vidal articles. I mean, I, I'd already been spent three or four times by the time I actually read any of the articles. Um. <laughs> it's, 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 no, I don't know about you guys, but the time I want to read some Gore Vidal is when 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 my testicles are like raisins and my ejaculate is like talcum powder. <laughs> so. Um, so I'd seen his name, so I figured since he had written in Playboy, uh, he was more likely liberal. And then yeah. I, you know, was a little bit more more aware of his movies and things. And William F. Buckley, I'm a big Hunter Thompson fan. Yes, and Thompson would bitch about him all the fucking time. Yeah, and I like James Baldwin, so I'd seen the James Baldwin versus William F. Buckley debate uh, uh-huh. sometime around this time, uh, which was a little bit different. And I think a lot more productive of a debate than what we ended up with here, which was the sniping, because they took turns talking. Yeah, most of these debates were really good. Yeah, yeah. Mo- mo- most of, most of the debates, and I, I think that's like it's funny because like when they describe Buckley's style of debating, that's my style of debating. It's always been my style of debating. Is let someone say something and then pick apart what they say. You know, like, didn't mm. like if you like don't try and defend your position too much but try and understand why someone has their position and basically point out where the, why their position is wrong as opposed to justifying your position. Um, it's like judo or something. But, you know, but that's if when you watch him, even when he's speaking to Vidal, like one of the, I think it's the second debate, he uses that exact thing and doesn't answer the question. So he gets asked, should a, so an aging, you know, aging juvenile actor um, be taken seriously, you know, as a position to be run for president or blah, blah, blah. And the first thing he says, the first thing Buckley says is, well, we're all aging. So <laughs> I don't know what relevance that has there. And, you know, he, he's an actor, which means he comes from Hollywood. And you send all your scripts to Hollywood because you've made movies. So that's Most what you're rejected. Don't. Yeah, but, that, but then that's what you get the snidey things. In. And in his it's... conclusion at the end of it is like, you condemn a man for, for, for being an actor. Um, which you know, because he wasn't in one of your movies, uh, but like, which is not. He hasn't answered the question. He hasn't answered whether or not he thinks an actor um, should be taken seriously in a position of power. He doesn't answer that question. It's a ludicrous question anyway. But he doesn't answer it. All he does is spend three minutes picking apart the question. <laughs> yeah, it's like these these two guys are ah, they're just there's some pompous and full of each other in these debates. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, full of themselves. That uh, they just—they don't even bother uh, no. going with anything of substance. It's just—it's just who can get one up on the other. Vidal says at the very end when they get their closing statements that this format of debate is—you know—he doesn't like it. He doesn't think it. No one gets to have a proper tete-a-tete. No one gets the chance to verbalize an opinion. Um, and he thinks it's—you know—he he almost kind of feels sorry if that's the way things are going to go. And that's the way things go. And that's how debates are now carried out. It's a great clip of John Stewart speaking to someone in Fox oh. in the credits where they go, no, 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 we have we have people on for debates. And he's like, no, you don't. You don't have debates. You have theatre. You know, I really wish you did have a debate, but you don't have a debate. You have theatre. That's what you put on. You have a pantomime. You have two people that come on and shout over the top of each other and are the most extreme of both versions without actually properly coming in and articulating things. And that's, 
that's what you get here. There's there's a, a beautiful bit in this where like Buckley's obviously he's had a bit of time to go away. That's like they, they say in there that Buckley didn't prepare, and then you hear from. Vidal's diary, where's like that? I knew he probably didn't prepare. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like Vidal's been like using his comebacks on reporters beforehand. All these witty off the cuff comments are pre-planned to the nth level, like a pro wrestler. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, he's like, he's like the Rock. He ain't ad-libbing. This is all. Vidal's cutting promos. Yeah, you see what I mean? It's like literally, I can imagine him in his house looking at the mirror, cutting promos. If you smell. <laughs> What Vidal is cooking? <laughs> cooking. You know what I mean? Um, although I'm fairly sure Vidal never said that he was looking forward to some Puntang pie. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Uh, but at the same time, like you, you see that Buckley then goes away to do his prep, but Buckley's prep isn't prep like Vidal has. So Vidal's went through all the National Review articles, picked out all these these comments that he wants to mention about war and you know these extreme positions and all the rest and use them as fuel. Buckley doesn't do that. Buckley's first chance to retort, so to speak, is to produce a letter from Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. as like a stinging jibe, going personal with him in a way which kind of like is, well, you've kind of crossed the line in this debate and hand it over. And what I love about it is like... Like Vidal looks at it, it's like, oh really? He's kind of, he's almost happy that the letter's being handed to him uh-huh. because he doesn't like the guy. Reads it over, and then the guy's commentating at the back like that. You know, this is the moment you see it when someone leans in, they think they've got the upper hand and all the rest, and it doesn't phase Vidal at all. And it probably did. He just didn't show it. Yeah. You know, the fact that like the letter basically says, no, well, let's not send any Americans to the Viet Cong, let's just send Vidal. Um, it's not exactly a nice <laughs> statement to hear, especially from what ostensibly is your extended family. Um, but, you know, like the fact it didn't, didn't face it, and it shows to what they were looking for. Like, Buckley was so unprepared for, he let it get personal, and it, if he kept cool and calm, which he couldn't do because he hated the guy, and he told ABC before they even did it, I'm happy to do it. I don't want to do it with a communist and I don't want to do it with Gore Vidal. <laughs> so they do the sneakiest move and it's like, hmm, Vidal, you see. Mm. <laughs> and they put down a guy he hates and that's why you get that classic clip, which destroys, like, doesn't destroy him overall, but haunts him for the rest of his life. You see that clip of him as an old man sitting in that chair where that gets played again and then you hear the story of him running up to the guy in the back saying, I thought they destroyed that tape. Yeah. Just the, the mortification of that one moment where he wasn't the the personified version of what he thinks. It's like that way where like everyone likes you, and then you get invited to a house party, and you get a bit too drunk, like a bit too. You know, you, you've all been there. You get a bit get drunk. a bit too smoke. You get a bit too smoke. Uh, I've been there three times this week. And then you you <laughs> wake up in the morning, and everyone's kind of not talking to you anymore, and you find it's because you shat in someone's tennis shoe. You know what I mean? Like you know that way, that way where you've just like you break character so much. I mean, I want without jumping it. So I remember my third ever proper job was working in uh, an optician's uh, which was a terrible job selling spectacles uh, to people Smoke would have loved me, I would have got my discount on his contact lenses Hell yeah. yeah, I would have got his discount back then back in the day, but I hated the job because it required, I'm, I'm good at speaking to people, I'm not necessarily great at selling things to people that I don't think they need um, mm. and that industry is based off selling things to people You'd be a terrible politician. I would be a terrible politician. <laughs> I, ironically enough, when I was younger, I did quite fancy the idea 
of being a politician. Um, I don't know why. Grew out of that phase pretty quick. Um, no one is you got to sell things to people that they don't need. Well, you do, well, or, or you have to... It's not even sell things that they don't need, but as to sell a position that might not be attainable. If you know what I mean? Like, so... Uh, like Donald Trump, right? Linking it back. Donald Trump, before he got elected to office, said... Afghanistan, wasted effort, wasted war. Let's get our troops home. This is nonsense. All the rest. If you're Obama, it's let's shut Guantanamo Bay. It's, you know, in this day and age, America should not have a place like this, an institution like this and all the rest. And then they get into power and realise that they don't actually have the power to do that. There's an industry behind that that relies on a war in Afghanistan. There's an industry behind that that relies on going. Guantanamo Bay, right? So they get in there and then they basically have to change position, right? Without taking into account that maybe, maybe I was an on-the-fence voter and the thing that really made me vote for you was that rip-roaring speech you did in my hometown where you spoke to me and told me that, you know what, we shouldn't be in Afghanistan anymore or, you know what, we shouldn't have Guantanamo Bay. And that's what gets my vote. So... And on some level, these people don't know until they get in office exactly what power they have. If you're running for office for the first time, there's no way you can know how corrupt things are. No way, right, until you get in. The question then comes that when you seek re-election, knowing how the system is, you shouldn't be running on the same platforms. You yeah. should be running on something realistic. The thing that's so frustrating is, uh, like, I I had hoped that, I was like, well, I mean, he's not as big a warmonger as, like, Hillary Clinton obviously is, but then... And then, so uh, Do you that's one good thing to look forward why to. We don't use nuclear weapons while he was running for president. Well, well, he did. He did say a lot of crazy shit. Like he was, he was all over the map. But if you look at a lot of, a lot of his other statements, that's a consistent message you had. Yeah, you're right. He consistently, he consistently was anti-American involvement in outside wars. Consistently yeah. across the board. Yeah, he but, was back and, to the America First thing. Sort of like Vidal and Buckley both kind of held that that view. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. look at look at who he's surrounded by now, Smoke. The majority of his cabinet uh, is made up generals. by generals. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like he's it's but, like and people are surprised that he's committing more trips. When I the voice that, uh, got in your head is people say like, military people saying, you know, we're not losing this war. Shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're not losing this war. Uh, so we, we need to we can win it by committing more trips. Of course he's got these are his trusted people. President so. Bannon is gone. Now it's President General Kelly, <laughs> who seems like a reasonable guy. <laughs> like, I know he's like he's 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 a he's a bit extreme on like immigration and stuff like that. But for the most part, everyone else is like that. That aside, he seems like a fairly straightforward guy. And then we saw him in that press conference <laughs> where Trump is just like going around people, calling everyone fake news, basically saying that like, there was a, a good group of those neo-Nazis that were good people. You know what I mean? Like, and, <laughs> He's going off on that and the camera pans over and Kelly's hat, he looks, he looks like a broken man. He looks like the sort of guy <laughs> who has bet the house, like, has bet everything he owns on like a Conor McGregor, right? <laughs> but then just before the fight happens, he sees some test footage of Conor McGregor boxing and McGregor shite. You know what I mean? And just that sinking feeling of, I've I have backed the wrong mistake. horse. And military guys will not, like military guys will step up to that challenge all the time and he will constantly think there's something that he can do. 
He you know, supposedly banned Trump from watching InfoWars in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn shame. I'll tell you right now, the vampire pedophile. Mr. President, if you can hear me, sir, there's vampire pedophiles out there. They're sucking the souls of little children. There's a, there's there's hot dogs in the water. The freaking frog's gay. They're dumping coffee on me in Seattle. Oh, that's the biggest staged thing ever. There was a guy that posted on the internet saying, I know that guy. He's an actor. Like he's paid this guy. He's like, because he's walking. I'm like, why is he walking around so much in right. the same area? Walks up and down the same street about six six times, like up and down this block. I'm like, what's he doing? And it's of course he's waiting for his actor friend to show up and spill his scalding coffee. Ain't no steam marks coming off yeah. that coffee. And trust me, Boiling if your hot coffee hits your skin, you do not brush it off as if, it, even if you're as tough, you know. He takes those supplements. Yeah, even if you're a superhuman, it's <laughs> fucking Infowars, man. There is no way Alex Jones takes a full cup of scalding ho- coffee to his chest and doesn't at least wince. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. Or Give throw me a punch. Freak, man. If he's it's such fucking... a big man ready to fight a civil war, he's yeah, going to oh. punch a guy that dumped hot coffee on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, it's like before you said that thing of him basically he's full on rant um, talking about civil war and people and all the rest and I, I'll be the first one to say it I find Alex Jones infinitely entertaining I think he's one of the most entertaining things online I think he's fucking hilarious I watch his videos and they're like there's that thing I sent around uh, like months ago uh, where I um yeah, like smoke. You can move your jeep. I'll keep talking, buddy. Um, right. oh, my, my, my jackass roommates having a fantasy football draft party. So I need to get mine. Don't sound jealous. Uh, <laughs> jealous. I'm jealous. Oh, oh, are you guys in the uh, midnight football league this year? Um, I am, but I imagine that Danny Tryaxon will be in charge of everything that happens, and I'll take the credit for it. <laughs> I, you're gonna do it. Uh, I may have heard about this, but what is it? Is it a fantasy football league? Like yeah, American like football? A, every year. Yeah. American football. <laughs> America. Fuck yeah. Coming again to save the motherfucking day. Yeah, America. Fuck yeah. Freedom is the only way. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't really been paying attention um, to football. I just I just draft Cam Newton because. Every like, time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, Cam Newton. He's, I love him because he's kind of a, he's kind of a dick himself. <laughs> and Aren't that's what's so great about quarterbacks dicks well yeah I guess probably they all are <laughs> Tom Brady is the worst go move your jeep <laughs> I'm on a roll <laughs> alright all right, I'll be I'll be right back yeah I oh. can continue talking because he's away uh, Red. so like so yeah like I find him infinitely funny and infinitely you know entertaining online and the stuff he comes away with is ridiculous I'd, like, I posted that video around where basically he's talking about moustaches <laughs> so rant about like you know he's got a moustache oh he makes me so scared and they're all walking <laughs> around with their moustaches it's just an army of people wearing suits and they get to have moustaches it's all about moustaches people you know what I mean it's like you hear it and it's ludicrous it's ludicrous stuff and I find it infinitely entertaining. But as soon as he's inciting violence, not funny anymore. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. entertaining anymore because people do believe a lot of what he says. There's a lot of people that buy into that. And when you're basically saying, 
you know, you, you should take, you know, stand up and revolt and civil rebellion and all the rest. Um, and, you know, arms that are come and take your guns away and all the rest. You are prophesizing fear and inciting violence. And at that point, you're no longer fun or entertaining. And that's when you become dangerous. Um, I keep forgetting he has a huge platform that reaches a lot of people. And I laugh like everyone else does. But there are people that are laughing but also believing in what he's saying. And that's scary. Yeah. You know, I so. think he was a large uh, propagator of the whole Pizzagate thing, which resulted in someone showing up. He's had up to roll to... back on now. He's had to, he's had to apologize for that. Yeah. Because it's proved untrue. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. The Democratic Party weren't using a pizza establishment as a pedophile front. I mean, if I have to, like, I mean, it's like they jump from A to B to F. It's like Mad Libs. But, yeah, it's really oh, it's it's fucking hugely frustrating. But and and this still anyway. that ties into you know the whole sixty eight debate and everything was that Reagan was really inspired by the National Review, and they, yep. they I mean they talked about it in the documentary and everything too. But he was responsible for the deregulation of news. Yep, in America in the eighties, mm-hmm. speaking about the decline in the UK and the decline of the US. Yeah, it's linked 80s. intrinsically by the fact that Reagan and Thatcher approached things very similar and were very good friends. So yeah, yeah, they both they both did a, a pretty good job in deregulating financial institutions, which ultimately bankrupt bankrupted everyone in in two thousand and eight, destroyed the economy, and all that stems from from Reagan's policies and Thatcher made a heavy move. Although in saying that, the Labour Party under Blair did a really good job in deregulating financial institutions in London. So, And that was long after Thatcher. So, um, But yeah, it does. all this stuff links back in. I think that's that's why I find the documentary so so fascinating, is, is this really interesting snapshot of a time which most people would look back on and say, well, you know, look at this, this crazy thing that happened in the past. But in terms of context, it's hugely important because a lot of it, a lot of what they said would happen did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, even even so far as like Buckley's brother, uh, who has the great, who has the non pretentious name Reed Buckley, uh, <laughs> no Reed Buckley, who's you know William Buckley's spitting image, um, is basically saying he's like that. He's like. Um, you know, Vidal was always talking about this, the empire, the empire, the crumbling empire, you know, and all the rest, and he's like that. Well, it was proved true. And that's, like, and that's what I like about the documentary as well, is the people that are there representing their sides fully acknowledge, respectfully for the most part, the other side. You wouldn't get that now. You wouldn't no, that's, get that now at all. It's, it's name-chucking. Yeah, it's pretty pointless. It's um, a lot more predictable. It's, it's, yeah. As like so and so, like no one's position gets changed. I think that's to me that's a you should always when when you go into debate something you should always be firm in the belief of what you're saying, but you should always be open to the, the possibility that someone will say something that changes your mind. Yeah, and you should you should also have reasons to back up what you believe. Like, exactly, a lot of people don't. Like it's when you hear people say things like um, was that great woman that was uh, right after. Trump got elected that was talking about the three million illegal votes. Mm. And she got asked, Where like where have you heard like what how are you backing up that statement? Oh well I heard it on Fox News and they're like, but where did Fox News get that information? Fox News have had to rescind that comment. They've had to take it back and she didn't know anything about it. She read the first headline. 
and that that propagated her entire opinion on something. Like the the age we live in today, you can you can you can find out you can learn about astrophysics whenever you want to <laughs> you or, or anything. <laughs> but there's so much information out there. But there's also at the same time a lot of misinformation. And, of course. Uh, and if it's like a confirmation bias, things that that already fit what you want to believe, mm-hmm. uh, it, then the reality of it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't really matter to chamber, many people. But yeah. just what, what, just what the internet, it's what social media is. I wouldn't say the internet because to me, I have to do many, many clicks to find a discussion board or, or something which I can take the time to to uh, realise whether or not I agree with the views in there to, to move in on. Something like Facebook, I can do it almost instantly. Someone reposts a meme from somewhere that I find kind of funny. I click on that page where it comes from and I hit like, and before I know I'm getting notifications all the time from that page. Um, it's as quick as that. Um, and that's how that's that's basically the kind of biggest fault of something like a Facebook is that echo chamber that exists where there's all these algorithms that know that you like looking at a certain page, so it's more likely to post things from that page on your timeline than it is for anything else. Um, and that's kind of worrying, you know what I mean? But you do, you end up with people who read the first headline without seeing... And a lot that about a lot of websites work on that premise as well. Go with something salacious. You read, how, how much clickbait have you seen where you click something? Like, the Trump ones are the best ones, you know? <laughs> and the independent newspaper in the UK is fucking the worst for it. Where they'll post you like, finally, the thing that will take down Trump. And then you click it, and it's some it's some one guy hypothesizing this theory that maybe they could enact a law which has remained dormant for the last three hundred years in America <laughs> to remove them. Totally misleading title. Totally misleading title. However, if I am a busy guy and I'm scrolling through my timeline and I read that thing, I'm now of the opinion that you know Trump's doing all these things which are you know you know he's so close to being impeached. He's not. He's nowhere near close to being impeached. That'll never fucking happen if it does. You know, people could not get Clinton removed from office. They ain't getting Trump removed from office. Um, I think I say this every podcast, but like this is this is one of the reasons why I just totally ditched Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't blame you, and I minimize my involvement with Facebook because of it. It's these posts that are like so and so destroy so and so in an epic rant. Like, uh, and that, I don't, uh, yeah, this yeah, thing they absolutely you know, destroyed bombshell. Uh, mm-hmm. What what else is in all the headlines? I love the the ones where that. Um... Oh, I hate the ones that are like, uh, "Wait till you wait, wait till you see what happens and happen next believe. or something." Yeah, <laughs> but it's the ones with all of that. And Twitter responded, and you're like that. The full force of Twitter responded, and it's two <laughs> tweets, fucking two <laughs> tweets from Johnny No Friends and fucking Freedom Eagle seventy three. Yeah, oh, oh, the, the media does this a lot, where it's uh. Uh, backlash, outrage against such and such, and it's like uh, just a few people on Twitter or Reddit yeah. who are mad about something. But you can turn that into like a a big story with a a narrative to push. Yeah, it's like it, it's to me, it's the equivalent of that viral video that goes around about the woman complaining about the the unsatisfactory service she has at McDonald's, where she asked for a McRib, uh, and. She asked for like a, a large one with a dog. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's fucking hilarious. I think it may be a comedy video, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure because I'm fairly sure there are people that 
exist like this and she asks for it and then like the woman says that'll be however much and she's like aren't you know aren't you supposed to offer me the extra McRib for a dollar twenty and the woman <laughs> the woman behind the counter says yeah I, I, I don't think you need that and the woman's response is where she's like hey, squeeze me bitch like this right and it's this big like rant that she has while she's standing there and that's basically what you know that would be classed as epic rant takes them Trump <laughs> or Epic Rank takes Den Corporation. No, it's not. It's a silly little video from one person. Do you know how you take down an organisation? You know how you t- take down an organisation? A huge grassroots movement, which gains support, uh, so much so that it builds pressure to remove something. A tweet doesn't do that. I shouldn't have to tell people that. A tweet doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, and, like I, I, it's so... And the internet is fucking full of, well Facebook is fucking full of it and Twitter's getting just as bad for people retweet shite um, and people don't check context people don't check like um, what's her face from the Golden Girls uh, B uh, yeah like <laughs> like, like this year like the same as last year and the year before someone posts something saying you know Golden Girl has passed away she died like six years ago right <laughs> but someone really posts something and people forget she's dead so they start reposting it as well and no one clicks the fucking article to see the details in it like, oh, like when it was like that posted, Rob Zombie thing the, the oh that just, Rob that Zombie thing happened. on my page today right so <laughs> oh, what's, what's the Rob Zombie right, thing right so overnight this comes up every year right so overnight um, posted on my page by Russell C who I think is one of the internet's greatest trolls. Um, <laughs> I really do. He fucking, I love the guy, right? So he posts this thing um, from sinfulhorror.com that says, Rob Zombie confirms third movie involving Firefly family, right? Here are the comments, right? So I woke up and I'm like, that. no, this is bullshit. This is, but I, I remember this from last year. So the Baz, his comment, fucking just give it up, Rob. Then Myron's, uh, the bass has spoken. Then Russell C. tried to play into the joke. I enjoyed House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil Rejects, but yeah, other than those, Zombie can fuck right off. Then there's a discussion thread that starts, like a full discussion thread, about the merits of Rob Zombie, right? Um, and all the rest. And So then I write, did anyone click the link? Right? Uh, no one, I bet. And yeah, so Russell C., the first thing Russell C. wrote was, you caught me. When you click the link, right, it takes you to a website, right, sinfulhorror.com, and when you scroll down, it is a picture of um, it's a, a picture of uh, Captain Spaulding, and above it says, do you believe everything you read it on the internet? And then it's a meme that says, mostly of all, fuck you. So it's not <laughs> real. Not real at all. No one's read that, though. The internet rage on my page, right, is huge. No one's read the fucking article. That proves the point. And right at this point, since we're talking about your page, we're going to pause for a second, play a couple promos for some rad-ass shows, and then we'll be right back into the discussion. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. 
They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VDClinicPod or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. Are you tired of the same Hollywood crap? Do you feel like something is missing from your life? Are you looking for a podcast that covers all genres of films? If you said yes to any of these questions, then you should join me, Matt the Angry Ginger, on the Bad, the Weird, and the Cheesy podcast, where I will take you on a journey through the cheeseball films of all genres and hopefully sway you to the dark side. You can find the Bad, the Weird, and the Cheesy podcast on Podbean's, iTunes, and you can also track me down on Facebook and YouTube by searching the Bad, the Weird, and the Cheesy podcast. And now for something completely different. You did that like a professional smoke. Did you hear how he did that? <laughs> did you say me? Smoke? Yeah, smoke, you that. did that perfect. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I've been, wor- I've been working that's... on trying to put something like that into my shows instead of trying to find the closest moment to cut away. Which is never with me. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally when I stop to take breath. (laughs) But no, it's fucking awesome. I love having you guys on here. This is really a good time. And I'm going to work on, you've got about 45 minutes left, Duncan. I I know we always hold you over. Yes. We have no option this time because my wife has given me the, the, I was recording Hail Ming earlier on as well. So I'm, (laughs) I'm not popular today because of the amount of podcasts. Last time was like three plus hours. Last time we pod blocked you, and I made <laughs> a note to, block me. to not do that again. At I least to sort myself time. out in the shower. I wasn't happy. No one was happy. <laughs> it's a, so both of you guys shit on thirty one, I believe. I, I, yeah, well, I have. Yeah, oh, I, think it's, I, I couldn't stand thirty one. And when she gave birth to that screaming mandrake from Harry Potter three or whatever in. <laughs> Lords of Salem, they kind of lost me. Uh, it depends uh, on my Salem, mood I, I with, House of, or with uh, Devil's Rejects. I just did a commentary with my missus for that thing of having her watch movies that she's walked out on and or refused to watch. Uh-huh. She was I, not a fan of that. I don't yeah, think that one's a well-made movie. Right? I think it's bookended really well, as in the opening scene with Doomhead doing his dialogue, his kind of full Tarantino dialogue, which he uh, wishes he had half. <laughs> the answer writing skills of a, yeah, of yeah, a this, this guy who's doomhead i i think it's richard brain yeah he's the fuck, fuck 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 guy from um a halloween part two and the night king right in, in yeah he also plays the night king yeah in game of thrones oh really i did, I did not know that but yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was i think he was he's the only good thing in, in the movie in 31 yeah he's the only good thing in the movie but that doesn't give it a pass. <laughs> like, well, like, like, you I know, shouldn't give it a pass, but I think the rest of the movie is kind of fun. It's it's, it's the running man, redneck running man. Yeah, right. right here's right. Here's my issues. Then, right. Here, let, let, let me retort, Smoke. Let me let, let me come back <laughs> at you here, right? Like, and a kind of William F. Buckley esque re- retorting to things. Suck you in the face, and you'll stay plastered. <laughs> you have got to talk in a in a made up accent with. With your teeth clenched the whole time, yeah, yeah. licking your lips. No, no, like, I, I uh, love, I love when he does the smile, like when he's talking, and he gets the really intense eyes, the kind of twinkle in the eyes thing, and then the smile comes on his face when he's about to. You can, you, it's almost that's his emphasis. He's just realized where he's going with his point. 
Yeah. Oh, did you notice Buckley's ears yes. would move? Yeah. I, I, that's, I don't know what that's a tale for. I'm not a poker player, but that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly I was noticing the, the lip licking like uh, Barty Crouch in yep. uh, Goblet of Fire. Like, yes, it does that as well. And that's what they were saying, that Vidal had done an impression of him with all those things on this show and then this talk host. Uh, on the Tonight Show, right? Got Buckley on. Yeah, and then Buckley destroyed the guy because the guy just thought he could take the piss at him, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is kind of funny. Like, you know, you don't you don't bring a guy like that on and think you're going to outsmart him, Mister Talk Show Man. That doesn't help. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like here's my here's my retort for thirty one. Right, the dialogue is awful. Correct the mundo. Right, I yeah, dialogue is awful. Uh, yeah, well, the first time we meet our our gang of heroes in their van, the first sentence that comes out one of their m- mouths is about skull fucking. Right, so. Oh yeah, yeah, you are right. It's coming back to me now. When these guys are <laughs> when the car- the carnies are talking, it's it's bad. It's bad. So it's like really bad. So like, all right. so I I don't care for any of the characters, right? Which I, I'm not just putting on Rob Zombie. There's a lot of modern horror films where I just I don't feel connected to anyone, right? Um, we spend too much time with the midget, like far too <laughs> much time, far too much time for a for something that should be moving through. Like you mentioned, the Running Man. The the beauty of the Running Man is you never spend too much time with any of the gladiators. Yeah. At all, too much time, and they get ridiculous. Like happened yeah, with this and, movie. Yeah, and the case, the case of this one, is a ridiculous thing, right? Um, and it's then like he, a clown Hitler that speaks Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, that's interesting. It's different. It's, it's different. I don't know if interesting is a strong word. I, but <laughs> a clown, a clown Spanish Hitler. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great for five minutes. We have him for like twenty-five minutes. Um, and then all the other ones get less time because of that. Um, there really is no like everyone just everyone is phoning it in this movie, right? Apart from Doomhead, even Sherry Moon doesn't look like she really. And this this is her first. You are the leading lady role. Like we were spending, mm. you know, you're gonna like maybe out with Lords of Salem. Um, we were like, right, you're our heroine. Take us to the end. You're like, it's going to be this badass woman by the end of it. So all these characters die off. I couldn't give a fuck. The dialogue's really poorly written. Uh, the movie is surprisingly tame uh, for a movie that was really... His whole pitch was this movie was going to deliver, you know, the, the gore and all the rest. It's not really in the movie, really. Um, and then you get to the end, and then they try and pull the fucking... The Purge movie ending... Where the alarm goes, so she's free, because this guy fucked her in for so long, and didn't you know? Didn't he like kills everyone off, but toys her in were a bit too much to let her go. You sly dog! You got me monologuing. I can't believe it. that whole movie should have been Sherry Moon Zombie and her friends are trapped in a maze with Doomhead, right, from start to finish. No fucking midgets. No weird fucking. Giant German man and his small sex puppet. No weird oh, kind oh, the, uh, clown twins. Um, the uh, the sex puppet sidekick woman. She she would get. Uh, yeah, she's very hot. She's also like the voice of uh, someone in the Rugrats. Oh, and uh, <laughs> oh, was she? Was she? What? What? Frangelica or Angelica? The the girl? No, uh, one of the no one of the guys. I think it was. Maybe it was Tommy Pickles or something? Oh, the main oh, character. Right. The one that looks like baby Tim Armstrong. Yeah, like, as I was looking her up, I was like, who is this? She is hot. And it had, and her credits were mostly, like, cartoon voices. Like, that's, well, that's yeah, so, like, but the thing is, like, like, that's the movie it should have been. He's the interesting character. 
He's the, he's, the, he's the interesting, vicious character in that movie that we see at the start, and we're like that, oh, this guy's amazing. And then they're like that, right, you'll see him again in the last 10 minutes. Well, I, I like that you get the different, none the of different them, uh, killers. Yeah, but none of them are really good, Smoke. You know what I mean? This is my, this is my problem. My problem is that... You get the, the Chainsaw Brothers, like... Uh, they all have their thing, and that, I mean, in this in this kind of a movie, like this is kind of uh, it's kind of like surviving the game or or uh, the most dangerous game. Yeah, yeah. Like, it does I'm, just, fall- I'm just a sucker for those movies. I like the, I like those themes as well, though. I just don't think it's well executed oh. at all. Oh, and the Condemned with a uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I love the Condemned, <laughs> mostly because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin being. Stone Cold Steve Austin, because that's, uh, that's who Stone Cold Steve Austin can do. He can't do anyone else. There is no nuance there. I just don't think it's... I, I think, to me, it's a step back from Lords of Salem and that I think the first two-thirds of Lords of Salem is a really fucking competently made, really well-executed horror movie. And the end bit... Is he just rips off... He rips off Kubrick and... Uh, Kubrick and Polanski. Yeah. And, yeah, but... Uh, What's wrong with that? He does it really well at that point. Well, the bit, the there's bit nothing wrong with it, but... Zombies, the bit that's shit. <laughs> but I don't... I really don't think he did... I, I just, I didn't enjoy hardly any of Lords of Salem. I like uh, Ken Foray's in it. I, li- I like his... Like the people he brings to most of his movies. Like yeah. He picks... Sid Haig. He picks good genre actors and actresses for his movies. And then gives them the worst dialogue in the world. Uh, yeah, I'd be it'd be a fucking affront to me to have someone say, "I really want to work with you. I've loved all your movies." And then to sit down and read a Rob Zombie script. Like, really? You love all these movies? You love all these great movies that I've been in, where I've had this, you know, wonderful interactions with all these different actors. And this is what. So I'm talking about chicken fucking awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Devil's Devil's Rejects. I thought I thought was an exception. I thought you know he's always going for that Tarantino type vibe, but I think. I think a lot of times he kind of hit it. Yeah, Devil's Rejects, Devil's to me, Rejects. hands down is his best movie. I think. I actually think it's not even just his best movie. I think it's a great horror movie. I think it's it's a really, really, really well made movie. Um, Rob Zombie to me is Eli Roth, right? And that they both made their second movie for both directors is like by far and away their best movie, and it gave me hope that I was going to see these great things and everything they've done since has been shit. Yeah. Rob's, well, number one, Rob Zombie needs, he needs to tell his wife no. <laughs> yeah, he needs to tell his wife no and he needs to work from someone else's script. He doesn't, he can't write. His writing is terrible. Get someone else, get, get some, the, if all these fuckers want to, all these fuckers think they're Tarantino, man. Honestly, this is the Tarantino effect. You get all these, well, I can write dialogue. Really? Can you? <laughs> let me hear. Let me hear your dialogue, Rob Zombie. Oh, let me guess. It's rednecky as fuck. It's about chicken fucking or cow fucking, or you know, like everyone's going to call each other a retard or you know, and, and that is literally Rob Zombie's writing style. And you could say, well, Tarantino's writing style is you, you, is very recognisable as well, but it's interesting. It's yeah, really interesting. He, he does a better job at making it feel like homages than ripoffs. I feel like. Yeah, to an extent, I would agree to an extent. Although there are occasional times in Tarantino movies from like that. Mm. That's a, that's that's shot for shot ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 
Like in Glorious Bastards, right at the very end, where you basically have a recreated Scarface scene, where he's standing with a fucking Tommy gun at the top of the stairs, just say hello to my little friend. You know, just like, <laughs> so sweet. that's like shot for shot. Oh, yeah. Right? So, <clears throat> understand he loves the Palma. Everyone loves the Palma. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. But come on, come on. I was, I was never a Scarface guy. Get the fuck out of my face with that shit. Yeah, you are a De Palma guy, though. Surely. Uh. I don't know. What? I can't even see really what is <laughs> Did you yeah, not listen oh, to dude. Duncan's great series of shows on De Palma film smoke? Uh, uh You would know a lot more uh, about De Palma no, had you done it. <laughs> no, I love De Palma. So like obviously his his biggest hits are things like uh, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible are his biggest draws, but his genre stuff, uh, Carrie, Sisters, Phantom of the Paradise, Blowout. Phantom of the Paradise, I love. Yeah, of course you do, because it's amazing. Um, <laughs> he did Blowout, he did... Um, oh, fuck. What's that one with uh, Michael Caine? Why can't I... Um, it's right in front of me. So he did Obsession. Batman Returns. He did, he did Batman Returns. <laughs> Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dress to Kill is the one I was on about. Dress to Kill is a fucking amazing movie. It's, cause it's basically like his version of Psycho, um, but it has Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> instead of Norman Bates instead of Anthony Perkins go I don't know what you're I said hey Master Biden <laughs> some people just want to see the world burn <laughs> right let's let's carry on with this discussion as much as I enjoy waxing waxing lyrical on Rob Zombie's 31 smoke um, let's talk <laughs> yeah, this, the this guys that actually like did a... write good dialogue <laughs> turned turn into like a 31 review session <laughs> Well, you guys illustrated the a, a way to have a discussion and a debate without calling each other a little queer or a crypto fascist, crypto Nazi. Mr. Vidal, wasn't it a provocative act to try to raise the Viet Cong flag in the park in the film we just saw? Uh, wouldn't that invite uh, raising a Nazi flag in World War II would have had similar consequences? You so naive. People in the United States uh, happen to believe that the United States policy is wrong in Vietnam and the Viet Cong are correct in wanting to organize their country in their own way politically. If it is a novelty in Chicago, that is too bad. But I assume that the, the point of the American yeah. democracy and some is you can express to any point of view you want. Shut up a minute. No, I won't. And, some people were pro-Nazi, and the answer is that they were, they were well-treated by people who ostracized them, and I'm for ostracizing people who egg on other people to shoot American Marines and American soldiers. As, I know you don't as care. As far as I'm you don't concerned, feel the only sort of pro-crypto-Nazi I can think of is yourself. Uh, Failing that, let's, I would let's, only let's say that we names. can't have now listen, you the right of assembly. Stop calling me a crypto-Nazi. Let's, let's stop calling I'll names. I'll you in your goddamn get, face, and you'll... Stay plastered. Gentlemen, let's oh, let the author of Bracken, Breckenridge I, go back to his pornography and stop making any allusions of Nazism I to somebody who was infantry in the last war. You were not an infantry, as a matter of fact. I would have like Yeah, that's the, well, the thing about that bit is that, like, Gore Vidal knows exactly what he's doing when he says that. Oh, he, he definitely, he timed it he perfectly. Knew, he knew how to get under his skin. Yeah, timed it perfectly. Timed it perfectly. And Buckley. You, Buckley. Like Buckley was pissed at himself for falling for it. Yeah, of course, because like he's 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 sat down with people like Noam Chomsky in front of him and debated <laughs> them down, like talked them talk circles around them, pointed out why they're wrong, right? All these all these intellectuals, all these highbrow people that you know are coming in 
with like strong opinions, like you know, all these valid points that are backed up by all this empirical data and all the rest that are sitting down. And he dismantled them, and he sat down with Gore Vidal, and Gore Vidal purely got him by saying, "One, you, you know, you and your lot would happily applaud nuclear war, and the reason you would do that is because you're right wing and you're a crypto Nazi." And that's literally all he had to do. It's like it's very, very well placed, but you can see it's because he was getting under his skin every single debate, and that's the that's the knockout punch. You drop that, you drop that line. It's like fly fishing, even though I don't fly fish. So this is a bad <laughs> analogy, but I'm going to run with it. It's like fly fishing. You keep throwing that line until you get a bite. Eventually, you will get a bite, right? But in the case of his one, every single time Vidal does it, like all those debates, he comes out with something to specifically get a reaction to get that reaction and he didn't get it for the first five six times they met he got on the seventh though yeah. and it landed great and i love the fact that after he says you know calls him a queer says he's going to sock him in the mouth and he'll stay down and all the rest that when you hear kelsey grabber's voice come over like reading the diary it basically says that you know vidal leans in and says well we gave them their money's worth tonight <laughs> smiling because he knows he's won at that point Buckley has no leg to stand on because it's de- it's devolved to name calling, and as soon as you start doing that, you've lost the argument. What yeah. was what was when this incident? Where was it placed in the in the timeline of these debates? Was it at the very end? Because I so I, I think the, it was the second last one. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the second right. to last one. Yeah. So like yeah. So they done they did three originally at the the uh, GOP one, and then they did the. Three at the whatever the, the, the DNC, DNC. yeah, uh, DMC one, and it was on the second one that that he did it. Um, <laughs> and you could like the thing is though, you could, I would like to feel sorry. Like part of me would want to feel sorry for someone like Buckley Junior to say, you know, like well, it's it's not. Like, he was defending his position. He was just called a Nazi, which by the way is a term that gets flung around far too much against people of the right in America at the moment. It's like the end. Like it's, it's called it's something against. Nazi. It's flung against everyone. Uh, yeah. The Wall Street Journal ran an article. Did you? Did you guys see the? Uh, was it like is PewDiePie a Nazi? Yeah, PewDiePie is not a Nazi. Like literally not. But I know. What's, like if what's you, PewDiePie? Am I? Am yeah, I, PewDiePie uh, is the he's, biggest. He's like a star YouTube on gamer. YouTube. Yeah, biggest star on YouTube. Like okay. he he makes uh, like comedy videos. He made Swedish. one where. Uh, if you heard, I think it was on Fiverr. It's one of those where you pay someone five, five bucks, uh-huh. and they and he paid these guys five dollars to like, just to see if they would do it. Like uh, hold up a sign that says "Death to the Jews" or something. Yep. Like he and he's he's not doing it because he hates Jews. He's doing it just to see if these guys would do it, and and for a bit, and then uh, John McClane uh, somewhere writer, trying to dismantle bombs. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, but uh. And then the Wall Street Journal has this big story about if he's a Nazi or like he's obviously not a Nazi. He's clearly like, he's clearly not like, a Nazi. <laughs> like it's it's so painfully obvious that he's like, not a Nazi. Like whether you believe his humor is funny or not, that's that's debatable. But and then uh and it came out later the writer of this had made some Jewish jokes on Twitter yep. a couple of years previous. Mm-hmm. People really like, need to remember that nothing is ever gone if you put it on the internet. Yeah, like Donald Trump needs to remember that nothing's ever gone. Oh if my god! Going, Although you know what he's, he's been writing to himself from the past for years. Yeah, you know what he's really good <laughs> at doing. He's really good at saying, "I didn't write that," and everyone believes him. Well, are the people that don't believe him are like, Wait, is he, 
Is he saying that about his past tweets? I, it doesn't react to them. Like people, like, uh, didn't you see this at this time? He's like, "You're fake news. Yeah, you're fake news." <laughs> so that is true news. That's true news. That's what you said. It's on the internet. People can go. Like I could go right now and find that, but his supporters don't believe that he's tweeted it. It's like, uh, <laughs> which is most, like all, all all politicians are hypocrites, but they're kind of careful about it. He's he. It seems like he doesn't. He doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't give a fuck because nobody knows how to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you don't know how to stop that's the thing that's confusing it's very easy to know how to stop him well yeah you, you but... put effort in to try and stop him like you know how you stop someone like that you you get partisan agreement between republicans and democrats that this guy is I know people like to use mentally unstable I don't think he's mentally unstable I just think he's a dickhead right this guy is a dickhead we want to enact the dickhead clause of your constitution that says we can have him fucking shut down. Article twenty-five, I believe. And you do th- you do that, right? That's you know that's Article twenty-five. If uh, subject in question is a dickhead, yes, the, the well, dickhead yeah. level. On, uh, to me, that's not difficult. I, I think like, it takes your the government majority more of than the any other government, like your government particularly, more than any government in the entire world has inbuilt your forefathers saw the writing on the wall, they might as well have written into the Constitution in the event that Donald Trump gets elected, right? <laughs> like, everything everything written into your Constitution and all the, the the systems in which your government is built is deliberately designed that if you, you have a dickhead in office, he can be removed by the people, right? It's, it's there. It can be... It, that's why you have the setup you have. That's why you have your House, and that's why you have your Congress, and that's why you have your President, and the power lies... Like in different places, and certain powers lie with some people, and certain powers. it's deliberately set up that way to remove Trump. these people. But you need to want to do it, and no one wants to do it because essentially what you are saying when you do that is a huge percentage of your population voted for a dickhead. That's why they're not doing it. Like if if, if this was if, you know if this was any other scenario, like let's say Donald Trump was vice president to someone, right, and the president died. And Donald Trump was made president and did half the things he was doing right now, he'd be at fucking office. Right? He would be at office. There's no way he would still be in office. He'd be gone. The vehicle, the, the vehicles that you have in place would have had him removed easily. But well, because for- a huge percentage of your population voted for the guy and they're still rallying, the base still rallies very strongly behind him, you are in a fact you're in effect, if you are the Republican Party, saying, fuck you to your, your base. If you remove that guy, well, not for yeah, for and say, Ryan are really leveraging this to get the stuff that they want with their disposable villain right now. Yeah, but they've know. had nothing though. They've got no, but, they think they've got nothing, nothing that yeah. they wanted. Sand. They've not had tax cuts. They've not had the healthcare reform. Uh, the infrastructure bill is t- toothless to say the least. They've had none of what they wanted. None of what they they thought they were going to get when Trump got out. I think they're holding. They've out. been able to achieve. I think they're holding out for another Supreme Court seat, and that way they'll have two, and that'll change the face of America for, you know, 30, 40 years. What it proves to me is how ineffective, like, this is like, this is exactly what Smoke wants, right? America, you're playing it in Smoke's hands. Oh, yeah. Like like an ineffective government is exactly what Smoke wants. Yeah, I I want, uh, like, people, people talk about 
well, uh, we need some bipartisan work. People need to reach reach across the aisles. I hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what I like is when uh, is when nothing gets done and it's just just bickering between you. Between you literally want this debate from best of enemies. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's, when it comes to policy, yeah. Like I, I <laughs> when it comes to policy, I, I I want there to be no agreements and nothing move forward. Like. Unless it's some, unless it's like getting rid of other things that have previously been done. Yeah, so that's essentially what you have right now, to an extent. Yes. Although uh, he, is but, putting, he is putting through, but he's still that. running the war machine. Ah. He's still running the war machine, and even though he's he's written, he's he's now written his bill to to ban transgender people from the army, which to me is unconstitutional yeah. from my loose understanding of what your constitution is, because that's yeah, discrimination. That, that's uh, I don't. It makes no sense why you would do like political. That's like stepping on a landmine for no reason. But it's not, it's, it's not stepping on a landmine for people that voted for him. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. It's he's, a safe policy. He's, he's he likes preaching to the choir because yeah. everybody else. It's a safe, safe is, policy yeah. for the the hardcore Christians, um, for the you know the, the hardcore conservatives. And all the rest, it's the safest policy. It's probably the safest policy that you could come out with. Although it won't go through because it'll be deemed unconstitutional. Which... Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up to the Supreme Court pretty soon. That's yeah. going to be interesting. They've been striking down a lot of uh, re- voter restrictions in Texas and North Carolina lately. Yeah. Uh, there's one, the 8th District uh, Circuit Court, which has uh, like uh, Nebraska, Iowa... Missouri and a couple other places. This is probably going to be in the Supreme Court soon. They ruled against all the other circuits in America that you don't have the right to film police in public. Oh my God. Uh, so all the other circuits said you do. And the eighth one said you don't. And that's already been filed um, for consideration by the Supreme Court. It's fucking nuts. He's just pardoned. Trump's just Fucking pardoned. Joe... Purry pardoned that fucking shithead Joe. <laughs> yeah, the guy that's like literally just, <laughs> just been fucking locking up people in detention centers because they're not white. Um, and I said that's the reason he's locking them up. It's like just pardon them, let them off. Fuck it. I'm not a racist, by the way. I don't believe in Nazis <laughs> and all the rest. Get this racist off. <laughs> let's, let's pardon this guy. He seems a good. This guy's a good guy. Well, he it's, helped him with his birther investigation. Yeah, which went nowhere. You know what I mean? That's like that's like me. That's like me rewarding someone for helping me invent my failed time machine. You know what I mean? It's fucking. You know what I mean? You don't reward people for backing failure. It's fucking. Honestly, the whole fucking thing's a shit show. I'm like, you know what the thing is? There is a timeline of recordings on this podcast now. Like every single recording I come on, I start sounding more and more like smoke. Right, <laughs> I'm, I'm not fucking happy about this. Right, but the older I'm getting, and the more I do these things, that like Trump is forcing me to become smoke. Right, <laughs> I'm already drinking on this show. Like, I'm becoming smoke. Right, drink <laughs> a lot and fed up with politics. Yeah, this is literally what's happening. And, and, but it's designed that way as well. A lot of what he's doing, and a lot of the way it's been reported, is designed that way as well. Is to normalise things and make people feel disenfranchised to vote. That's the the whole setup is that way. You get people saying, "Well, that's that's what happened at the last election." Like yeah, fucking yeah. more than fifty percent of Americans didn't even bother turning out to vote. Oh, yeah. look at the the choices. 
the choices and, were terrible. Yeah, I understand that, but when the choices are both terrible, you should still vote for the one that causes less damage. And I'm not saying that Clinton would have caused less damage. Or you put your faith in a third-party candidate. Yeah, you know they, I mean? And both of they them weren't were, great either, but... Gary Johnson was, was a dumbass. But in saying that, though, in saying that, though, there's there's that rule. And where you, what is it? If they get 5% of the vote, they're yeah, then entitled to time. the same... There's title to all this funding and all the rest to at least give you a three-party system in the states, which is what you yeah. need. Two-party yeah. system is yeah, but the the Libertarian Party shot themselves in the foot with Johnson. Yeah, like he was, uh, he's, I guess, uh, maybe Darren said this before, where he's like Republican light. Yeah. Didn't know yeah. where the level was. <laughs> that's yeah. That's I think one of the main failings of the Libertarian Party is mostly they take people that were Republicans or mostly have Republican. Uh, stances and they republicans add a couple like things like pot yeah <laughs> republicans that like pot that's, yeah that's, 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 <laughs> and you yeah. Your, i don't think you need to that's the interesting thing like shouting out to not that they would ever listen and i hope they would never listen to what we do but I, I shout out to something like the fifth column podcast which i post every time they put they put out a show and it's interesting because i'm now seeing more people liking it and saying they're going to listen to it and it was smoke that turned me on to that show and i listened to it and for the most part a lot of what they come away with from a libertarian point of view i agree with but i would never in a million years say that in the political spectrum i lean towards the right at all I lean more towards the left than I do towards the right. Very much like my dick, it leans more to the left than it does the right. Uh, I think, I think uh, people like genuine small L libertarians are outside of that. Like, uh, like they, like they're what I would what I would say is like the best parts of the left and the best parts of the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree with that, and I, I find myself now being more. A, attuned to that side of things than I've ever been before and it's made me really question my position on certain things and adapt and change which you should be able to do no one should be rigid in their stance you should be open to being changed um, or your opinion being changed sorry uh, when presented with the right facts or a good counter argument that makes you question why you think something is the way it is that's like, like what you're talking about is getting away from the identity politics where like okay, I believe, I believe this, which is left or right. So I should also believe this, which is also left or right. That, yeah, but that's, this is, comes back to what I said to you on a previous episode. That in theory, you you vote for your local candidate who stands up for local issues, and it should be that way. It should only ever really be about local issues. It should never really be about you know. Well, he is the candidate for this party, so. There's a great example. The great example just now in the UK is Trident. So Trident is our nuclear deterrent. It is getting fairly old, fairly long in the tooth. Is it like Star Wars? Kind of like Star Wars, right? <laughs> it's like the Phantom Menace smoke. And uh, <laughs> it has so much promise, but it's not anything that anyone really wants to revisit um, ever. Uh, and it's going to cost like $10 trillion over the next 10 years to replace this, right? So the economy isn't great in the UK. Schools are failing. Hospitals are failing. Um, they are, you know, obviously trying to privatise certain aspects of our public health system, which doesn't, you know, it's going to require some money, but ain't going to require $10 trillion to do. So the case made by certain parties, uh, one party that I, I tend to vote for, is that instead of spending that money on this system, which we'll never use, 
because we're never going to use nuclear weapons. I know some people are like, but you will not, we might not, we're never going to use nuclear weapons. Never going to happen, right? Um, so instead of spending the 10 trillion to do that, let's invest that train 10 trillion back in the country. Let's create infrastructure jobs. Let's improve our health service. Let's put that money into education to make sure that education is, is better educate our youth to, to develop more skills that they can put back into the economy. Let's let's better the country with that money, right? Now, you may think that sounds very similar to an American first policy, right? Because it kind of is. It's like, let's not spend the money elsewhere for things for other people. Let's spend it back in. It's taxpayers' money, after all. And the big two parties in the UK, the Conservatives and the, the Labour Party, are very much pro-Trident because America wants us to be pro-Trident, right? So, and they're the big players and they want to be in the special relationship that we have with America. So they're going to... Swinging the big stick. Yeah, of course, right? So all the smaller parties don't want it. Don't want it at all, right? Not interested in it. So you have a position where, and I know I, I like to throw out facts quite a lot, but the majority of Scots that vote have voted for Scottish nationalists, right? Um, who are vehemently opposed to Trident, right? Um... But the terms of the democracy that sits in the UK is made up of different countries and those countries have different amounts of seats that send MPs, etc, etc. So the, the, the big parties are the ones that get into power, so that's the policy moving forward. Labour <laughs> has this guy called Jeremy Corbyn. You may have heard of him. He's a bit <laughs> of a, a woolly mammoth sort, uh, kind of lefty-left sort of guy, uh, who is leading a party who is anti so who's pro-Trident, but he is very much anti-Trident. So what should happen? He's the leader of the party. So what should happen? Well, the party should follow its leader. So they should be, no, nah, no. Nah. It's just a conversation that doesn't come up. So people that are voting to elect Jeremy Corbyn on Jeremy Corbyn's platform are voting for an end to Trident. But that's not what happens when the party gets in power because that's, you know, he's the leader. That's great and all the rest. But the party says that were pro-Trident, so it won't happen. And that's where party politics fails. On a local issue to local issue, you're voting for someone who represents your town, your city or whatever, to put those interests forward in Parliament. When you put an umbrella of a party over the top of that, that's when your voice gets watered down a little to what the bigger city wants. Glasgow doesn't want what what Falkirk wants where I live Glasgow's going to have different concerns and Glasgow has more voters so guess what Glasgow's likely to get more prominence in the debates when you put a party over Glasgow and Falkirk more, more weight's going to be pushed towards Glasgow than it is to Falkirk and that's how party politics works is you're never voting for the individual you're voting for the party and you should never be in that position you should always be voting for the individual because that person is the one that speaks on your behalf on your issues and your concerns. Not a party. A party doesn't do that. A person does that. That's and that's where libertarianism kind of works until you put libertarian party, which I don't understand how that works. <laughs> like, how can you have a libertarian... I understand there's crossover on certain things, but there are certain things that I don't think there is going to be crossover, and that's why that party never gets elected. Too much infighting. The Freedom Caucus. I mean, have you ever heard something so fucking ridiculous in your entire life? Just be a libertarian party. No, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of half and half. No, you're either all or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, know, like, you can't, 
I, I don't get that. You know what I mean? Well, well, we, well we're, we're Republicans, but we're on the libertarian side of Republicans. And this the, little group, which basically is a party. The Libertarian Party, I think, is probably one of its biggest biggest issues always is trying to find out what it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> trying to define itself. But isn't that, but by its nature, isn't that what libertarianism really is? At its, at its crux, it's about less centralised power, more more individual power, more of people not being invasive into what you're doing, um, and making sure that there's accountability for any money that comes away from anyone towards any service, that there's pure accountability for what's it being used for, doesn't need to be used for that. Um isn't that's that it. really what, like, the crux of libertarianism it's, is about? It's a bit more about the there, individual, isn't it? Uh, are you talking about the party, libertarian party? I, I mean, or? just like, well, I would imagine if you're going to call yourself a libertarian like, party, you stand up for libertarian values. Yeah, well, I think defining what a libertarian is, like, I guess people could say that I am, but I just I don't believe in anything. <laughs> I might be more of a nihilist than a nihilist. Yeah, nihilist like Lebowski. <laughs> we believe in nothing. But uh, but I, libertarians would. We should. That should be like. See the political podcast offshoot we're gonna do. The three of us need to get the get up of the nihilists, <laughs> and we'll Photoshop ourselves. Up. Dern's good at Photoshop. We'll all take posies in front of green screens, and Dern will put us all together like some sort of fucked up Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally down. And yeah, I'm I sure I've got leather Some. Yeah. I'll, I'll find my dad's uh, American nice. flag fringe vest. <laughs> but, oh, now we're talking. That's, 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 the, that's the album artwork for, for the offshoot podcast. For the, for the third <laughs> leg or... Whatever it's going to be called, <laughs> I think I think we should call it. They took our jobs. They took our jobs. <laughs> Spelled like that. G yeah. J E E R B S. Um, yeah, gerbs. We've, we've just got a few more minutes left before uh, Duncan has to, to leave us. Yeah. Um, you leave me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're singing it in your head. All of me wanna take all of me. Um. <laughs> So best of enemies. Best of enemies. I think, I mean, that movie starts. <laughs> uh, like last time, it'll be a separate. No, <laughs> I think it sparked the kind of discussion and the debate, I think. And we didn't really do a lot of debating, but um, it sparked that sort of talk that the documentary somewhat argues is lacking in common uh, political discourse. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had a good discussion. Uh, nobody called each other a cuck yet or a status. <laughs> Goddamn snowflakes. <laughs> uh, you know, which is easily seen everywhere else. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to plug. Well, smoke you. Uh, well, my plug. I'm, you want me to plug smoke? Just, plug I mean, smoke. I don't want to, but if you're going to force me, I mean. <laughs> give him a good bumming. <laughs> um, I, I, Chug chug chug, as they say in England. No one says chug chug chug. I don't know where that came from. That was, uh, I think you and Myron were talking about that once because here in the states, chug 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 is drink drink drink. Yeah, yeah. If you're going, if if you're going for a chug in the UK, it means you're having a wank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just so you know. (laughs) 
Smoke can be found in many karaoke bars. And uh, the Midnight Horror Show that we're all on whenever it happens. I can be found in a little bit uh, watching some Myra Breckenridge having a chug. (laughs) 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 Because I I had no idea Raquel Welch was in that. So I'm going to uh, to visit that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely on the list. Uh, I think I think if you get, if you get the opportunity, I don't. Was this movie on Netflix in the states? Yes, Myra yeah, Breckenridge right. or Best of Enemies? Best of Enemies. I don't know. I have the DVD. Right. So if anyone yeah, has the opportunity, I watched it on Netflix. If you have the opportunity, you've got Netflix. Go and check it out. It's an hour and a half long. It's a really fun, well put together documentary. It's not dry at all. Um, Smoke was right in his conversations with me. The, the guys are over time, which is long long since gone and use a, a dialect which is English by the way but is, is, uh, there's a lot of airs and graces in the words that maybe are procrastinating um, which I just did there um, to describe things that are fairly mundane And but you will you will skim right through it it is an easy easy watch and it's very interesting if you're an American from your point of view to see what it was like before the big networks started peddling agendas um, and if you're outside of that country, uh, if you're outside the the, the grand old US of A, uh, and you have Netflix and it's on there as well, it's really interesting to to see. We all know what your your news networks are like now because we get to see a lot of it online. Um, but it's good to see how the catalyst for that and put in the context and ultimately put in context of what happens when two very bright, two very intellectual men basically get into a pissing contest on TV. And it's not about the facts and it's not about evidence. It's about who can make the other one flinch first. Um, And whilst it should be laughed at and mocked for being entertainment, how it realistically was taken as a, well, this is great for ratings. This is now the format, the template of how to do televised debate and that's how that moves forward. From that point of view, it's wholly fascinating uh, and everyone should check it out. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, but everyone's like, thanks, Duncan, for bringing us down. We were all just talking about chugging a couple <laughs> seconds ago at Raquel Welsh. No, nah, you didn't bring us down. You brought us in. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you'd like to, uh, after you're done plugging smoke and chugging and uh, bumming in the bin lorry. I have no idea what I'm the doing. Garage. Just, uh, it seems like a Tuesday night to me now. It's Saturday, though. <laughs> Uh, is, is there anything uh, you've got coming up or going on right now that you'd like to uh... so much like so much stuff coming up so we'll just say that you can find my show podcast under the stairs on the same network that this is on um, you should listen to it but you should certainly continue listening to this show because me and Smoke will be back um, I believe we've done have we done a full loop now this is the third review isn't it it is, it is the third uh, yes. We did Long Pigs, right, did I choose Starship this movie? Troopers, then, yeah. Right, so I chose this one. So it's someone else's turn. Um, I'll probably pick the next one, and then it'll be Smoke had one, you've had two, and I've had one. Cool, cool. That's the way I like it. I'm on top. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll, yeah, so so we'll, me and Smoke will both be back, I think. We, I love doing this show. I think it's a ton of fun. I know I, I 
speaking for Smoke here, um, although he can speak for himself, he is an adult. I, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll suck you in the goddamn mouth. <laughs> you will be down. <laughs> no, but I, I, I love this. It's always a great time talking shit with you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, found the time to come back, and yeah, we'll, we'll get another, another movie picked, and then we'll see what we can do with the, uh, the Nihilist show. <laughs> oh yeah that has to happen that has to happen yeah we, we need to we need to try and like voltron come together and and sort that out i mean yeah. the only thing that makes me more excited about doing that is the fact that on my facebook page just now it's just popped up that grammy nominated u.s rockers alien ant farm announced headline headlining scottish gig supported by soil <laughs> i'm so fucking good at that february 16th well, this could be that guy saying, "Play smooth criminal again." Play smooth <laughs> criminal again. Boo. I, yeah. I had no idea Alien Ant Farm. I I forgot they existed. Oh, the first two albums are a, a delight. Get back on they that. Had two albums. Yeah, I, I, I knew they had two songs. Three or four. First two albums are great. Um, but well, yeah, I think I was song. the cause of them breaking up because I think I kept shouting, "Playing, play smooth criminal." <laughs> That's Almost. when they had the biggest crowd the time I saw them at the Warp Tour. And then everybody left after they played it. Yeah. I think the last they played Scotland last year. Um, and they basically played that whole first album in its entirety as an anniversary thing. But I really think it was probably because that was the biggest selling album. So they just decided, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. This has been real, gents. Real. Yeah. It was a blast. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in this time. And I thank you in advance for tuning in next time. Bye. Bye. You need, like, some catchy light to go out there. It's been another episode of the Psychosomatic Podcast, and I just fucked your mom. <laughs> well, you, know, I think like the, you, need, you need a line. You need a the, line, dude. The last few times I've been putting together a chain where I've said stuff from parts of the, the show. So there was a uh, Don't Forget to Duck and Cover. Suck mm-hmm. the marrow out of life and don't choke on the bones. Like it. <laughs> never, never let them uh, get you to the second location. Ooh, cryptic. And uh, I think that was from the last house on the left episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm bizarro. Thirty one. Don't get. <laughs> I encourage staying. Yeah, did off you record topic. that one conversation? Huh? Did, did you record that thirty one conversation? Is that on there? Oh yeah, I've been rolling <laughs> since we started. Oh, that needs to stay in. Keep that in. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. That was a ton of fun. Later. You can't please all the people all the time, but we hope we'll please most of you most of the time. Anyway, see you soon. <laughs>